your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Hey, welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast right here, brought to you by Built Bar. And uh, I had to get my day started with some with a Built Bar peanut butter. Can't start the day any better than that, right, Cammie? Uh as always, follow us on Twitter. I am at Pat Sports Guy. Cami is at Cami and G. The show is L O underscore Longhorns. Uh, Cami, it is Wednesday. It is Wednesday. You know what? I can't believe as long as we've been doing this podcast, I haven't made a Hump Day reference. <laughs> I'm actually surprised with that either. It seems like we only get excited on the Friday podcast days. I'm just. I I feel like I missed out on so many opportunities to be like, guess what day it is. Well, that, that's because we didn't even know what day it was for a while. So we're just now getting back into the swing of things. We are getting back into the swing of things. Um, so, Cami, how was your Cinco de Mayo? Uh, you know, it's funny. And before you get into answering that, uh, so I was scrolling social media. And, you know, the like people put a meme where, like, it's somebody crying because it's so beautiful. And it said, how fitting Cinco de Mayo is on a Taco Tuesday during a time that we're in this pandemic and named after a Mexican beer. And I, yeah. I, could, I couldn't help but laugh. I was like, wow. Yeah, that was very odd to me. But I did, uh, mine was good. I did get to enjoy a margarita and I had some enchiladas and stuff. So um, I tried to celebrate how I could. Chips and queso? Because I, I know you're a big queso girl. So. Oh, yeah. I can. It's actually probably very 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 rare that i don't have queso when i have mexican food that is a very good point very good point yeah uh you know it's always weird for me like as far as cinco de mayo is concerned because my nephew uh his birthday is may 5th so like it's never celebrating that we're, we're celebrating the birthday of, of my nephew who who's just a few months younger than my daughter so they kind of like they like to do a celebration together because their birthdays are real close. So, mm-hmm. so I never really get to celebrate that. But let's dive right into it. Uh, Chris Del Conte is a savage. <laughs> That's all I want to say. That actually that. made my Cinco de Mayo, by the way. Oh, my. Yeah, when I sent it to you, when I texted to you, I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. check this out. Uh, so Chris Del Conte was part of the Texas tailgate as far as uh, Horns 24-7. Uh, you know, he he spoke a little bit with them and, and Chip Brown over there, and they asked him about doing the Texas Texas A and M again uh, game again. Obviously, we haven't had that game since 2011. Uh, you know, 20 the 2012 season A and M went over to the SEC, and, and you know, and it's been a conversation that people bring up often because they they want that rivalry back, that mm-hmm. rivalry game, and, and I and I get it. Uh, but Chris Del Conte's comment, his answer on that, really, I mean, it made my day. I about <laughs> fell out of my chair laughing so hard. I think most of Twitter actually almost fell out of their chair laughing oh, because it, oh, it, you could just see people posting like they were shocked. They were like laughing. They were like, oh, my God, he's a savage. I can't believe he said that, that type of thing. So if you are unaware of what Chris Del Conte said when asked about renewing the rivalry, and, you know, it was the way that they put it is they're renewing a rivalry with LSU, Arkansas, or A&M. Uh, obviously, Texas is going to play LSU in 2020. Uh, but the comment that he said is we're more focused on scheduling teams that have won a national championship in the modern era. 
Taking shots. Taking shots. And you know what's funny is you got the pushback um, A&M fans. And this is what cracked me up the most. Uh, and one A&M fan said, uh, y'all have won one national championship in 50 years, but go off. And that, to me, is funny because Aggie math is off. Because I, if I'm if memory serves me correctly, 1970 was 50 years ago. Texas mm-hmm. also won a national championship that year. But here's the, my thing. I, and this is what I've never understood about, you know, the Aggies and, and constantly going at Texas. Texas has had three national championship appearances, you could say, right? since 1970. A&M hasn't been in a national championship spotlight since 1939. I don't think I'd be talking a whole lot of trash. Oh, yeah, no. And I think I think they're just kind of a little hurt about those comments, to be honest, because it's true. I mean, Colt McCall even led them to the national championship game against Alabama. And he probably would we probably would have won that if he were to stay healthy that time. So I think mm-hmm. little things like that probably really get under their skin a bit, because even though we didn't win um, in that particular year, Uh, We were at least on that stage and had a chance to, even with Colt McCoy going down with injury. But um, obviously the Vince Young moment probably is always under their skin because it's getting replayed like crazy and known as one of the best college football games ever. And so, I don't know. I think it's just going to be a hated rivalry. And um, obviously neither team wants to see the other succeed in any way. So it would be fun for the fans, I think, in order to have that rivalry play out again. But um, Del Conte is right. If if Texas feels confident that they would go in and uh, beat A&M right, or every year or whether they can have uh, bigger names on the schedule, like I know he was focusing on Alabama for a while, which I would take Alabama over Texas A&M all day. So I guess it just depends on the future outlook. Yeah, I did find it funny the A&M president kind of chimed in. Uh, I guess somebody brought up Chris Del Conte's comments. And they were like, we're fine. If we want to, if this game's going to happen, let's do it in the college football playoff. And that made me laugh. Uh, for the fact is, I don't think AM, as long as they're in the SEC and dealing with teams like LSU, Alabama, and Georgia, I don't see them making the playoff anytime soon. Uh, that being said, Texas obviously needs to make the playoff, but, uh, you know, that's all going to depend on how they do this year against Oklahoma because Oklahoma has shown you that in the Big 12, you can get to the playoff. They've done right. it three times in four seasons. Texas mm-hmm. just needs to get there. And uh, so, you know, and we'll get into that conversation later. Uh, let's get into some other news. Uh, Jaquindon Jackson was showing off that the partially torn ACL isn't slowing him down too much. He's uh, he's getting his rehab in. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, when I saw the video, I was surprised at how well he's moving around considering it was just four months ago that he partially tore that ACL. Yeah, I think that's pretty soon coming off that type of uh, severity of an injury. But yeah, in the video, he looked like he was on sand. I don't know if that was a volleyball court or what, but he was kind of backpedaling on sand. Uh, so clearly he's moving around pretty well. That's really all it showed. So we didn't get to see too much into his uh, rehab or improvement or anything like that. But just knowing that he's able to uh, jog backwards and probably jog forward to at that point is a good sign. Yeah, and and. I guess we shouldn't be too surprised with today's day and age of medical advancements and with the fact that more often than not, we're seeing, you know, players coming back from injuries a lot sooner than they would have in years past. A prime example uh, of this would be Connor Williams, you know, current Dallas Cowboy, former Texas Longhorn. He tore his ACL, but he's on schedule to start the season and he tore that late in the year. Uh, And he's on schedule 
to start the season for the Dallas Cowboys. So, I mean, I guess we can't be too shocked at it, but it's it was still a positive sign, something I like to see. Obviously, Jaquinta Jackson is one of my guys. You know, he's he's one of the guys that I really enjoyed from the 2020 recruiting class. So that was exciting to see. Uh, on the topic of this football team, though, we have new contracts that were set to be approved by the Board of Regents. And now Texas has a coach in the top 10 salaries. They do. So there was actually, so the Texas Regents are expected to approve these contracts. Um, and the top 10 you were mentioning. So there's three raises and one new contract. So we'll start with the new contract, actually. That's uh, Mark Hagan, um, associate head coach of the defense, defensive line. His is starting at 550000 But the raises were actually running backs coach Stan Drayton, uh, offensive line coach Herb Hand, and strength coach Nancy McKnight. And what you just mentioned, Nancy McKnight, I was curious with that because I wasn't too aware of what college football strength coaches actually made each year. And so I kind of did some digging and looked that up. And sure enough, his raise puts him in the top 10, I believe around the seven or eight range um, of the NCAA uh, strength coaches. So I thought that was interesting, but I think the most deserving and least surprising raise was running backs coach Stan Drayton, because we know the Cowboys were actually after him, brought him in for an interview. Uh, The Rams took a look at him. So he's a wanted man. And I think um, Texas kind of needed to do that to keep him around. Yeah, I mean, he flirted with the NFL, obviously. So, yeah, it was it was definitely one of those things where Texas had to do something to keep him in house. And obviously, this was a guy who was very instrumental in bringing B. John Robinson to the University of Texas, and right. so keeping him in house was was big for them. Um, obviously, he got the recruitment of B. John, and then. You know, the idea of him going to the NFL and, you know, Todd Archer of ESPN started reporting that he was going to meet with the Cowboys. And, you know, it left a lot of uncertainty because at that time, I think Bijan had already signed or committed and signed his mm-hmm. national letter of intent when, when yeah. all the conversations started. And so, you know, it would kind of honestly, when I looked at it, I was like, man, that would just be a bad look. You get this top tier recruit, the number one running back in the country to come to your school, you recruit him and then you leave. I know it's the business of college athletics, but still to me, it was just like, oh, wow, that would not be a pretty look. Yeah. And it's quite a significant raise when I was looking at that aspect as well. So his one year assignment last year was estimated around 515,000 and it's now bumped up to 650,000. So it's pretty significant. Yeah, it definitely is significant. All right. But coming up next, we're going to get into what the NCAA medical officer had to say about fall sports and a power five conference team is scheduling football for the fall but first i want to talk to you about built bar um you know cammy built bar is something that i've added to my everyday uh life now you know i i when i need my morning snack my morning energy after i finish my coffee i mean you know me cammy gotta have my coffee first but I have added Built Bar, and the great thing about Built Bar is the great taste. No chalky, no gritty. I don't have to wash it down with a gallon of water. And today, I tried out a new flavor. I tried their their uh, their raspberry. Uh, so it's the chocolate and the raspberry. I'm not a huge raspberry fan, but the flavor was great. It's giving me the energy. I love it. 15 grams of protein. Seven times less sugar. Seven times less carbs. You know, so I'm not having to do all the counting of the macros to ensure that I'm not overdoing it. And that's the great thing about Built Bar. You got great taste, fantastic product, and it's not going to kill you as far as your macros, your your calorie intake. You know, like I said, it's got 15 grams of protein. It's great. 
So what I want you to do is go on to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first box. I don't want you to take my word for it. Try it out. And they're giving you $10 off that box. You can go ahead and get one of their spring boxes or their summer boxes they have set up, or you can build your own box. But go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On and let me know what you thought. Tell me what's your favorite flavor. Which one did you like the most? Um, but again, BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On. All right, Cami. So as far as the NCAA <laughs> medical officer has opened his mouth about football and in, in, in fall sports in general. And he believes that we can have fall sports. And, and, you know, I was talking with some people and, and one person said, well, what'd you expect him to say? I mean, and, and I, I think that that was an ignorant statement. Yeah, me too. I actually enjoyed his comments because it was from a, I guess, safe and prepared standpoint, but at the same time, uh, wanting to find a way through this to where we are able to have um, fall sports and a college football season and things like that. His main, um, I guess, comment was about you don't just want to rush into it due to desperation and a timeline and just that you have to get it going, that type of sense. But um, he does think and believes that there's a reasonable way that we are able to make this happen. So I don't know. I enjoyed reading his. Yeah. Uh, just some of the comments he said, it's not going to be risk free. That's for sure. If this is rolled out in stages and reasonably, we're really paying attention to proper surveillance and we get the test available. I think we can have false sports. My concern is if we just rush in this too quickly because of it's almost a sense of desperation. Like you said, that we have to get going. Uh, what they said here is we, what we really have discussed in, in some detail is what is it going to take to get sports back? I will tell you that 80% of the conversation is centered around testing, more specifically what happens in contact sports like basketball or football. When one of the players tests positive, does that mean quarantine? Does it mean we do very regular testing? You know, I think it's, and I think that's the important part here. You know, it's not so much like the discussion about how can we get football back on the field how can we get basketball back on the courts it's more of you know how do we protect our fans how do we protect our players I think the health part of this is the important part and I don't want people to you know think that they're only trying to rush this back because they're losing revenue and whatnot but I mean obviously people have jobs to do and that's one of those things they have you know sports is how a lot of us get paid you know and that's how we make our living and so I think it's important that they're having these conversations, but the fact that they're more concerned on the health side of it is the smart way to do things. And I think it's the right way to do things. Yeah, I do too. Like I mentioned, I think he's going about this the right way, at least his comments were. And that is a tricky part in terms of contact sports. Um, I can't imagine actually beginning the season and then maybe a week before you play someone um, on the opposing team, they test positive. Then what are you supposed to do from there? So you kind of have to line out every single possibility that could come up and you have to have a plan B for it. So I'm definitely glad I'm not in charge of doing all of that because it sounds very confusing and like a touchy subject, but I think they're going about it the right way so far. And I think by the time fall sports do begin, it may just be no fans in the stands. That's kind of the um, path I'm leaning towards right now. Yeah. And, and that's interesting that you bring that up and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit uh, later on in the show, but uh, this, here's an interesting thought here is, um, 
Arkansas has become the second Power Five school to announce that they are planning on football in the fall. Not a shocking statement, right? right. Who isn't planning for that? Christel Conte has come out and said that they are planning for it. Uh, you know, but it was interesting that they become the second Power Five school to actually announce it. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot in detail over the past several weeks as far as organizations, you know, whether it's Na- National Basketball Association, Major League Baseball, for that domino effect. And it just seems like once one person takes that step, the rest will follow. You know, in Iowa a couple of weeks ago or last week said that they were planning on returning to football. Now, Arkansas has come out and said that in June they're going to start practicing as of June 1st, which, uh, as we know, the NCAA has – or most conferences like the Big Ten have extended the uh, – extent they extended their no contact, no, no practices until June 1st. So June 1st is now the new deadline that we're going to be looking at. And, and for schools like Iowa and – Arkansas to come out and say, okay, starting on June 1st, we're going to start practice. We're going to get ready for football season. I think that's the step that most people are wanting to see and kind of just follow along as it gets started. And so potentially we will have football in the fall. And and these are the type, type of steps that need to be taken so that we can have it. Yeah, I agree. I think, like you mentioned, it's a domino effect. Someone has to take the first step in order for everyone else to follow along. But I mean, I I see where they're coming from because you're going to plan and you're going to um, make these, I guess, days and deadlines and things like that of when to report until you're told that you're not able to. And as far as we know, no one's really said like, hey, you're not allowed to start on this date type of thing. So um, I think they're just hoping that things progress up until uh, the June, July time frame. Um, they do seem to be progressing a little right now. I guess uh, we'll see if there's more openings and things like that until then. But um, like you mentioned, I think someone just has to take the first step. Yeah, it's it's somebody. And, you know, it's funny because Brian Davis, the Austin American Statesman, said somebody Somebody has to take that PR hit, and that's really what it. Yeah. I think it boils down to. Uh, but if if schools in in the state of Texas, um, they've talked about, you know, students coming back to the university, attending classes. So the next step would be to bring sports back. Uh, obviously, Governor Abbott has talked a lot about having students back in classes at the universities this fall, and you know that'll be the next step for that. Uh, but Kimmy, the um, so we do have football coming up. Hopefully, we want to get into a little more of the depth chart discussion that we started on Monday. Uh, so the running back position is an interesting one. Obviously, we have uh, Keontae Ingram, who is the incumbent starter. I mean, he essentially was the starter last year. He split time with Roshan Johnson. Uh, the thought was having Jordan Whittington in the mix. Well, now he's kind of going to be in the mix at wide receiver. I mean, he could play some, at, you know, running back this season, but for the most part, he's not viewed as a running back. So my question is, what is the initial split for you, uh, per se, as far as between Roshan uh, and Ingram? And, and we'll we'll get into Bijan here in a minute. Uh, man, that's tough for me because. 
we can't really see any position battles in the spring. I mean, Roshan looked really good towards the end of last season. And uh, like we mentioned at times, he looked like the best back on the roster. He just looked powerful. They put him in in big moments and uh, he never let them down. So um, I, I don't know. I would, it's hard for me because I want to look at all three of them, Bijan as well. I think Bijan will start off with about maybe 25% of snaps, maybe something low along that range. But I don't know. I think I don't think they'll necessarily split time, obviously, between Roshan and Ingram. I think Ingram's going to get um, the head of the carries and uh, the majority of the carries. But I think it's especially with Roshan and Bijan, uh, dependent on how they look. I mean, not just within the spring or competition battle or things like that, but how they look actually um, in big games and in big moments and things like that. So I don't think Herman is going to be scared to throw them in the mix, um, but I definitely think Ingram's firing away the starter for now. Yeah, I would say he's definitely the starter. I think that the real battle begins at, at running back two. Uh, when, yeah. you, when you throw in Bijan and, and Roshan, like I know Roshan did very well last year, but obviously Bijan's a big name. He's their top recruit, uh, you know, and, and so he I don't think that he's going to get pushed back at all. You know, I, I think they expect big things of him. Obviously, there's a lot of hype surrounding him. So I, I definitely see Bijan getting in the mix and getting in the mix pretty early so that he can uh get the football in his hands and, you know, like he did out there in Arizona, uh, he was, he was a big time playmaker for them. Uh, and just another note, uh, recently uh, four-star offensive tackle out of Arizona played at South Point along with Bijan has listed Texas in his top six. So we potentially could get another big offensive lineman, somebody familiar with Bijan coming to the university of Texas. Oh, yeah, that would be interesting. I saw something on the website about that. Um, maybe he's swaying him over here. That, that was a that was a thought that I kind of, you know, in the back of my mind, I was like, well, maybe it's because, you know, he's he's, you know, familiar with Bijan. Uh, you know, maybe he'll he'll get to uh, he'll get Bijan to or Bijan will get him to come to the University of Texas. So I just thought that was interesting. Uh, Jonah Miller, uh, four star recruit. Uh, he is number six in the state of Arizona, according to 24-7, and he's 28th at his position. Uh, so, you know, hopefully, I and mean, he's a big guy, 6'8". So, I mean, he's huge. He is. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, hopefully we, Texas can get him, add him into their 2021 class, and, and we'll just keep this thing rolling as they as they start. Uh, recently, it looks like they're they're spending more time on the out-of-state guys rather than the in-state guys. But coming up next, we're going to get into a poll by ESPN on whether or not fans uh, want to wait for this pandemic to kind of die down before attending sports, or if they want the games to start without fans in the stands. All right, Cammie, so ESPN recently polled over a 1,000 people and released their results. They were asked if they wanted to wait so that fans can attend the sporting events or proceed without fans in the stands. And a big shocker here, a majority of fans want them to get sports as back, back as quickly as possible. So they would prefer it if they could return, even if fans can't attend. So I was just curious, what are your thoughts on it? Are, are you one of those that says, get, get my sports back uh, now uh, rather than having to wait? 
Yeah, I mean, that's exactly how I would have voted. And I don't think it's uh, too surprising that uh, the poll kind of concluded in that direction. But I don't mind being home watching uh, these sports on TV. And I don't I think a lot of people would be fine with that happening. And so um, I think it also obviously puts less people at risk and it's just maybe the safer option. And so I think when you boil down everything together, that's um, the way it should probably start if it were to start on time. Um, even if it starts maybe in October this season, October, November, I still think maybe they should go that route first and kind of test that out, at least test that avenue out first and then kind of go from there. But yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Totally off topic here, Cammy. But if you want to watch live sports now, did you know that you can watch the Korean baseball organization on ESPN? Oh, I actually saw one of my friends uh, tweeting about that. He said it was really fun to watch. Uh, yeah, so if you if you want to get your sports fix, if, if you like baseball, Korean baseball organization, they're showing it on ESPN. Uh, so there's a thought, you know, get some sports back in your life. Uh, I saw it was on USA Today's For the Win. They actually put together an article on uh, who you should root for. You know, pick a team. Who's your, yeah, who's your, you got to get fun with it. Yeah, get fun with it. Who's your Korean baseball team? It was, it was kind of like a guide to picking your team. Uh, on, on, and then my whole thought was I, I hadn't read it yet. So, cause I was going to read it and then watch some of this KBO. Uh, I, I, I just think if there's a team called the dragons, I'm in, that's, that's <laughs> cool name for me. I've uh, heard a lot of people talking about the giants. So apparently that's a good one to root for. I, it might be, I'll have to, I'm going to have to check it out. I know there's some Americans that are playing in the KBO. Uh, so we'll definitely have to see how they're doing something that will, I, I'm personally want to watch. But on the topic of ESPN, they came out with their FPI. And if you're not familiar with the FPI, that is their football power index, where they uh, basically use uh, bowl results, you know, things of that nature. Uh, You know, they go based on winning percentage, projected win loss and, and, you know, win percentage to win the national championship. Uh, What would your percentage guess be as far as Texas winning the national championship? Oh, um, let's the seventy-two percent. Let's go with that. Well, you're way off. What was it? One. What? Uh, yeah, it's one percent. Oh, uh, maybe I'm going about it a different way then. Maybe because I think uh, they have a seventy-one percent chance. In my mind, I'm thinking I think they have a seventy-one percent chance to uh, maybe make that game. So the the ten point four percent to make the playoff. The top team is Clemson at 81.1% to make the playoff and 35.6% to win the national championship. Oh, yeah. But here's the FBI. Texas comes in at number 11, ranked just behind Oklahoma by 0.5 power index points. 0.5. This year, Texas will play the number six team on the FBI, the LSU Tigers. Who come at 23.7, Texas at 19.6. Uh, ranked just ahead of, uh, you know, those Aggies. They came in at 15. Uh, also on this list, Oklahoma State Cowboys 13.7, which puts them 17th. Uh, projected win-loss totals, they have Texas at 9.5 wins. That, that's their projection, 9.5. So right at that 10 mark. Uh, I think 10-win season would be a really great season for Texas. Uh, Oklahoma just ahead of them at 10.1. So they're real – they got Texas and OU like real close, which makes me think that uh, 
that could be your Big 12 championship this year. Uh, it should be. But, yeah, all those sound pretty realistic and on point. I think, um, obviously, we mentioned how big that Texas LSU game is going to be at the beginning of the season. It's an away game for the Longhorns. Um, LSU kind of has a whole new look on their team right now. But um, Oklahoma and Texas are kind of always battling for that top spot in the Big 12, so that's no surprise. Oklahoma State's pretty much coming in on every ranking we've seen so far. So I think those three teams are going to battle out for the Big 12 championship. Yeah, other schools listed on the FPI, they have Kansas State coming in at 32, Baylor at 34, and Texas Tech in at 41, uh, West Virginia down at 45. So they have about five schools in the top 50, six schools in the top 50, I should say. A little surprising that to see Baylor as high as they are just because of the turnover Mm -hmm. that's happening there. Uh, if you looked at their recruiting class, it wasn't great. Obviously, they lost just lost Jade Barron to Texas, uh, who asked out of his NLI. Uh, so not a whole lot positive going down there in Waco. Uh, but and we're going to stick with ESPN. Uh, Mel Kuyper has come out with his top 25 big board. Coming in at number 12, Samuel Cosme. Yeah, I'm, I was pretty pumped to see that. Uh, I think he's his number two offensive tackle, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. So um, he has a chance, and I think Kuiper actually mentioned this, to be a top 10 pick in the 2021 NFL draft. And it seems like it's been so long since Texas has had a player be drafted that high. Um, so I'm really excited. Yeah, uh, yeah, and this is what he had to say. And, and I went and looked at it, and this is what uh, Kuiper had to say about Cosme. Cosme started right tackle as a redshirt freshman in 2018 and switched to left tackle last season as a phenomenal athlete. Just watch his 12-yard touchdown reception from 2019. Uh, he has great feet and also can bowl over edge defenders in the run game. If he puts all this talent together, he could be a top 10 pick. The Big 12 was wide open in 2020, but the Longhorns have the league's best offensive lineman and a really solid veteran quarterback in Sam Ellinger. Uh, you know, it's interesting as I saw a tweet. Uh, you know, Cosme tweeted out a video of him yesterday uh, doing a trap bar deadlift of 675 pounds. And what I thought was funny is former linebacker Malik Jefferson actually tweeted about it. He said one time he was in scout team and blocked me. And in that moment, I was confused on why he was starting. <laughs> and and it, it just made me wonder if it was like one of those, uh, you know, moments where it's like record scratch. Yeah, like this guy's going to be good. Yeah, It's like record scratching goes. And in this moment, I knew I screwed up. Yeah. (laughs) And and it makes you wonder about Malik Malik having to go up against Samuel Cosme. Uh, That would have been a sight to see. I would have loved to seen it. Uh, But Kuiper also went on to list his top five players at each position. Samuel Cosme, as we talked, he's the second-ranked offensive tackle. Joseph Asai comes in at fifth at outside linebacker, and Caden Stearns is the third safety. Caden has been getting some hype surrounding, you know, as far as where he could go. Uh, Draftwire had him in the first round. Uh, Joseph Asai hasn't really – I haven't seen much on Joseph Asai as a uh, round one draft pick, but moving positions and could very much help him. He has the build of the weak side defensive end in a 4-3. Or an outside linebacker in a three-four. Uh, last year, finishing with five sacks. Three of them came against Utah. Thirteen and a half sacks for loss. I think that's only going to 
increase this season, as will his draft stock. So that was some of the interesting parts about Longhorns in the top 25 on Mel Kuyper's list. Obviously, it's early, but still interesting to see some Texas Longhorns getting love. And no, Sam Ellinger was not on his list, but there's still time. (laughs) There is, and we mentioned he probably won't even be one of the top three or four quarterbacks. I think if he were to make that top five, it'd probably be around the five range. But um, I think his best case scenario is a uh, mid-round draft pick next year. But like we mentioned, or like we witnessed, with Joe Burrow, anything can happen within one year. So who knows? Maybe Ellinger will just, uh, I guess, sweep people off their feet this season and just be incredibly accurate and um, be hard to uh, not draft uh, in the first or second round. But it's a long shot. I don't know. Just my personal opinion. What do you think? Could this year Mike Yursich and Sam Ellinger be this year's Joe Brady and Joe Burrow? That That's essentially what yeah. it's going to come down to because Joe Brady is the reason why Burrow became what he was. Exactly. And, and so, and nobody was talking about Burrow this time last year. Um, you know, outside of LSU fans, obviously, um, you know, there was an expectation level. And I don't even think that even the most diehard of diehard LSU fans thought that they would become what they became. Yeah, I completely agree with you. That was a shock to pretty much everyone. <laughs> Everybody. All right, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you tune into the latest edition of the Locked On Big 12 podcast to tell your smart device to play the latest episode. For Cami, I'm Patrick, and we will see you on Friday. Welcome. Okay.